broadcasting worldwide on internet radio. Refreshing takes on legal strategies. Straightforward answers to difficult tax questions. Independent ideas on building wealth. The Refresher Wealth Show with Mark Kohler and Matt Sorensen. Previously recorded with Mark as the host of the Mark Kohler Show. Enjoy this fresh take on strategies to better live the American dream. Welcome, everybody, to today's show. My name is Mark Kohler. Excited to be here with you during this holiday season. I hope your week, your two weeks, your holidays, three weeks, month, whatever uh, extent you've been able to celebrate has been good for you. Thanks for listening in. Of course, the show is uh, recorded each week, and I know many of you catch it on podcasts, so thanks for listening in while you're jogging on the uh, treadmill or wherever the may, you may be on your commute. Thank you for listening in. Uh, my name is Mark Kohler, your host, here talking about building wealth, saving taxes, protecting our assets, living that American dream, and uh, it's an honor to be here with all of you each week. I've had several comments from uh, clients just in some consults this week where uh, they said, Mark, I've been following your – just this morning, I'm just going to be direct. I had a, a call with a, a gentleman today across the country. It said, Mark, I've been following your podcast for two to three years. Thank you so much for your you know, different insights and topics that you cover, and uh, – Boy, when you get up on a Tuesday morning, you've got to come in here and pull off another show. Uh, those little comments mean a lot. And uh, and so I hope many of you uh, appreciate it. And uh, I, I really enjoy this time. And it is a passion. It's funny here. I was rushing, rushing this morning. Anybody that's ever done a little bit of radio in their life, it, you know, you're always, when you first start to do a radio show, you're there early, you're, you're in the studio, you're watching, you're listening. And then... Over the months and the years, and I've been doing a radio show now for almost seven years, and uh, before that it was monthly, so even podcasts, uh, not podcasts, but radio shows live in a studio in Cedar City, Utah, um, you get a little uh, cavalier, right, with all things, you know. I'm sure Michael Jordan laced up his shoes at the last second uh, at some point. I'm not, of course, uh, comparing myself to a Michael Jordan level by any means. But after you play so many games, uh, you know, you get a little cavalier and you're, you know, you're a little casual. So there's those times where I am literally running to log in or call in or get to the show within seconds before it starts. Uh, today wasn't too bad, but um, it was uh, funny. We had um, uh, a, a few bumps in the road this morning. It was just a rush, 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 and now I'm here. But uh, it's always exciting to to have a live show where you've got to be on your game. And so I want to thank Lisa Owens in the studio, running the show there, holding us together. Uh, we've got a great show planned today. We've got Jeremy Ames from Guidant Financial out in Seattle. I am so excited to have him here with us. It's uh, It's an honor. He's... Uh, just an amazing man that I've been able to meet face-to-face in his offices uh, right there in Seattle, which I love. As you know, many of you know, I grew up in Washington, uh, spent all my formative years, 20-plus 20 years there before I went off to college was in the state of Washington. So I love getting back to Seattle. And we're going to be talking about using. Now, this is important. We're going to bring this up here. We're going to do our little tips here for a bit, as many of you know, then we'll jump into it. But uh, with Jeremy, we're going to be talking about using your 401k not in the typical self-directed format that many of you have heard me talk about for years and years and years, uh, 
using your self-directed IRA to buy real estate or investments, but actually using your 401k to start a business. Now, this is a business where you could actually be an employee of it, start a franchise. And I know that some of you, have, we've sent over to Guidant to meet with them, and, and they have got the system down perfectly on how to do it and have the support and the infrastructure. So we're going to talk about that option for some of you that may want to uh, consider it. And so our show will be uh, going through that here uh, in a moment with uh, Jeremy, and then uh, we'll do our tips, and then I'm going to come up uh, at the end of the show with some uh, uh, kind of a little run through of some last minute tax tips. So we got two days left before the end of the year and I want all of you as business owners to know what I'm throwing out there is those last minute things you need to be thinking about. Um, I was on a car phone on the way here just uh, trying to help a client at last minute planning. So we're going to hit all that today and more and thank you for listening. So without any further ado, let's jump into our weekly tax and legal tips. I, I give a priority to those that called in first and uh, I usually beg of one of my partners or our, our experts in one of our offices to call in, and we're lucky enough today to have Brian Brown with us, uh, color commentary for the Cedar City Thunderbirds football team and a, a partner here in our accounting firm, k and &E CPAs. Brian, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. You were close, Mark. It's the Southern Utah University Thunderbirds, not the Cedar oh, City okay. Thunderbirds, but you're close. <laughs> Well, and I thought you were going to cut me off and go, T-Birds, not Thunderbirds. But you go by either T-Birds or Thunderbirds, right? Yeah, we, we it is. Technically, it's Thunderbirds, but we shorten it to T-Birds for, uh, for a lot. And I even shorten it to Birds just for the heck of it, just because when I'm talking on the radio, sometimes things go rather quickly, and and you just try to get as much as much information in as short a time as possible sometimes. so. Well, you know, I've never asked you this. Well, just quickly, just a little, you know, digression here for some uh, a, a little interest of mine. I've never asked you, is it more stressful doing color commentary for a football game or being on the Mark Kohler show? Being on the Mark <laughs> Kohler show, show is much more stressful. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, the pressure, <laughs> right? I, I don't know how you do it. No. <laughs> Here you are. Hearing you on the football, uh, on the AM radio broadcasting, uh, it's it's fun to hear. Okay, well, Brian, uh, we're here at the end of the year. Uh, you've been a CPA for 20-plus years. I'll leave it at that. Uh, I know <laughs> your experience is, is phenomenal. Uh, tell us some last-minute tips, or did you have a tip you wanted to share with us in particular for our listeners today on tax planning? Well, I do. Uh, I don't even know. It's not necessarily tax planning per se, uh, but as you know, Congress recently passed the law for 2014, and that law expires tomorrow. Just for minute, just just a little tidbit here. Yeah, it expires tomorrow. We don't know what 2015 is going to bring yet. Uh, but one of the changes in the tax law that people need to be aware of, especially small business owners, is there was a change in the expensing uh, amounts that you can expense. Uh, Congress has come up with a law that basically says you can expense anything, any item under $200. We don't have to depreciate it. We don't have to take Section 179. We can just expense it. I'm let me interject if I may right off the bat. I'm glad you yeah. brought this up because last um, week we had Liddell Air, um, of the firm come on and share a tip. And of course he talked about the 179 deduction, which was a big one. I myself even went shopping for a truck this weekend. I didn't end up getting one, 
I think it was that big sticker shock of 15 miles per gallon after been driving a Leaf <laughs> for a, a year and a half. But uh, but I did make a change with my Leaf uh, because my son's headed off to college with my other big car. But um, anyway, long story short here, last week was the 179 deduction, which I know many of you are buying equipment and vehicles before the end of the year. But this is a nice one on the other end of the, exp- the spectrum where this 200 – a lot of people worry about, well, I just bought an iPad or I bought some software or I bought a – can you get an iPad for 200 Hundred bucks. I don't know. Anyway, so this is. I'm glad you bring this up, Ryan. What What would you recommend people consider when they're dealing with this? Well, again, I w- there's a couple of things. It's per item. In other words, you go and buy ten ten printer cartridges for five hundred bucks. Let's say they're they're you know they're fifty bucks a shot. Well, you can expense that. Even though you bought ten of them for five hundred bucks, it's each printer cartridge, which is fifty bucks. So you can expense that whole thing. Again, the other thing I wanted to bring up, though, that's kind of a little twist in this law, is you can have a written policy in your company that says you can deduct any expense, excuse me, not deduct, expense anything under $500. Again, not have to worry about Section 179. Again, you have to have a written statement in your company that states this is your company policy. Again, you can contact your uh, CPA to help you with that. Uh, But again, it makes it even nicer. We can deduct up to $500 of one item and expense it and not have to worry about Section 179. I love this. Now, I'm going to make a note here because I want to get Jeremy on the show here um, as soon as possible. I know he's in the wings, and we we value his time. I was going to spin off and go to a couple year-end strategies on this, and I'm going to make a note here. We're going to talk about pushing. We're going to do this at the end of the show, or the last 20 minutes of the show, pushing income or expenses into one particular year. And and I know many of you were thinking, why would I go out and buy 10 printer cartridges? But if you need the write-off this year, maybe we should. And like Brian just said, you could expense that without having to, you know, to capitalize them because you're not going to use them till next year. You could still write them off this year. That could be a big deal. So I'm going to make a note about pushing income and expenses. And also, um, I want to make a note about partnership unreimbursed expenses here. That just came to me, and I want to bring that up at the end of the show here, too, for those of you that might be in a partnership. Ooh, Brian, this is good. Okay, final t- – yeah, so how do you uh, – what's your practical takeaway here, too? I'm, I'm already thinking several that I want to give, but I'll give them later <laughs> in the show. All right, you got sure. me all fired up here. Let's just – let's keep keep track and make sure that we can – we let's make this – let's have this company policy. Again, Company policy, we can deduct anything under five hundred dollars. Why why limit it to two hundred dollars? Let's make it five hundred dollars. And you can put this in your, your minutes, right? Just sit down, have a corporate yep. meeting. So we went to Applebee's today for our Christmas lunch and we're gonna have a company policy from now on. We're writing off everything under five hundred dollars. Sign here, sign here, sign here. That's it, right? Yeah, it's a little bit better than that, but again, <laughs> there there's there's some there's some wording that kinda needs to be in there. But again, contact your 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 CPA, uh, your uh, tax consultant. They can help you with this. We I've I been like briefing it. all of our tax consultants here. On uh, we had a staff meet a couple weeks ago, and I talked to them about that and gave them an example of wording that can be used. So again, let let's get this done right. Let's get it uh, done. Uh, 
before the end of the year so that we can we can have this this great deduction. I love it. Well, great comment. Uh, Brian, thank you so much. That's Brian Brown, the one and only partner here at K&E CPAs. Appreciate you being with us today, Brian, and enjoy your new year festivities. You too, Mark. All right. Thanks, Brian. All right. Well, we're going to jump over to our legal tip for the day, and that is with our regular contributor, uh, Kevin Kennedy, out of Phoenix, giving us uh, giving advice to clients all over the country on legal matters for small business owners. Uh, Kevin, welcome to the show. Well, hey, it's Lisa, not Kevin. You clicked the wrong microphone, Mark. <laughs> well, boy, Kevin, your voice sure did change. I That's awesome. a little high pitched now, but I can totally try to give a tip for you. Yeah, I've I've hit the the, the wrong studio button here twice here. So, uh, all right, Lisa, thank you for those that haven't yes. spoke to Lisa in the past in the studio. There she is. <laughs> there is me. Okay. Thanks, Lisa. All right, we're gonna get this right now. Okay. Kevin, is that you or? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> All right. right. Well, Kevin, thanks for joining us, man. How's your holidays treating you? Great, great. In fact, I was going to incorporate a quick little Christmas story into my into my legal tip today. So, ooh, okay, I'm all ears. I like it. <laughs> all right. So, this is a true story. So, Santa Claus, he brought my kids a small swing set. You know, nothing fancy. Um, and bless his heart for bringing it, but he left it up to me to put it together. So Darn him. <laughs> yeah, so there I was, Christmas Day, setting up this swing set. And, uh, and you know, I didn't hold want to it, hold it. all the I, it. Hold it. Yeah. I thought the real dads did it at midnight on Christmas Eve so their kids could see it when they came, you know, into the room. You, you, oh. you, <laughs> you waited to do it the next day. All right, I don't know if you're getting as much sympathy for some of us other dads. Okay, okay all right, all right. Okay, finish case. the story. Okay, so you're putting it together after getting a full night's sleep. Together. All right. <laughs> yes, exactly, I, exactly. So... Uh, but I was kind of in a hurry because I, you know, I, I had other things I wanted to get done. So what ended up happening is that I had, I, in my rush, in my hurry, I had missed some important steps of putting it together, and I had to end up redoing a lot of it. And it took longer, you know, than if I had just done it right the first time. So, so as I was hunched over, I got my screwdriver in my hand, my back's aching. I had realized that I had done what a few recent clients of mine had done, and let me explain. But but basically, these clients were in a hurry, and they didn't think it was a big deal, and they had missed some important steps along the way. So these clients I'm referring to, are they were all new rental real estate investors. And so that's kind of the context of my tip here is for anyone who's, who has a, a rental property. Um, what they had done is you know, they had already purchased or they were planning to purchase an investment property. And they wanted to limit their personal liability, so they had set up an LLC, which is great. You know, that's generally going to be the best entity to use for rental real estate. The problem was that they, you know, went to a website, set up their LLC, or they prepared the documents themselves, and they missed some important steps along the way. And so now they were meeting with me because they wanted to make sure they did everything right. Um, and so there was kind of a pattern here of two key things I want to bring up that they didn't do kind of in their rush in their hurry to get things set up that uh that needs to needs to take place. So so the first thing I was this. this is so good and I I can imagine you I'm trying as you're hurting your hands, you know, with a <laughs> screwdriver trying to undo what you've you've done. You're you're feeling the pain of these folks that cut corners on their legal planning. So this is good. All right, keep going. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so the 
So the first thing was that they set up the LLC in their home state, but the but their property, their investment property, was located out of state. And what they didn't do is they didn't register their LLC in the state where the property was located. Now, you know, it's fine if they want to set up the LLC in their home state, but if they do, they need to make sure that they register their LLC in the state where the property is located. And the problem is if they don't and a dispute arises, you know, presumably with a tenant, then in almost all events, that dispute is going to be resolved in the state um, where the property is located, and it's going to be used using the laws of that. Uh, it's going to be resolved using the laws of that state. So the problem is that that client's LLC, unless they have registered it in that state, is not going to have legal standing there. So what that means is that when that individual is sitting there in that dispute in front of the judge is trying to argue that they should not be personally liable because they have an LLC, that judge is going to say that they, since they didn't register their LLC in that state, they therefore, to use a boring legal term, they cannot avail themselves to the protections of the, of the laws of that state under um, LLC law. So, so what we had to do for this person uh, was we just went ahead and registered their LLC into the state where the property is located. Um, but generally, you know, it's better to just to, all things considered, set up the LLC right out of the gate in the state where the property is located rather than setting up the LLC in your home state and then having to take that extra step of registering it into the state where the property is located. So, so that was the first thing that I noticed kind of a pattern here lately of some new real estate clients, you know, new to, new to investing, um, and, and uh, we were able to avoid a, a potential disaster in the future by by taking that step and registering their LLC. So that was kind of the first thing. I like that. And, and I would just reiterate, I like what you said, that it's not fatal, it's not the end of the world if you set up the LLC in your home state or in the wrong state. Uh, it just is extra filing fees. You've got to stay on top of it. Sometimes it's called articles of domestication, where we'll dissolve the entity in the wrong state, put it in the move it to the right state. Because with ongoing years, we don't want you paying additional filing fees because you're registered in two or three different states. So uh, very, very good. Would well, you have a, a short exactly. second other tip here? Or, or yeah, yeah, else? yeah. So, I'll be, I'll be brief. Yeah, one more. One quick okay, last good. thing. <laughs> so. Uh, they they set up their LLC, right, but then they don't take that final step of having a deed prepared, transferring ownership of the property into the name of their LLC. So they're sitting there, they're telling me, yeah, my LLC owns my property, but when we check their most recent deed, it's still showing ownership in their personal names. And I realize that for our you know experienced real estate investor clients, this is this is basic, this is fundamental. But for someone who's new to the game, you know they don't know what they don't know unless someone tells them. So. Of course, it was a simple solution. We went ahead and prepared a deed, uh, made sure that it was recorded so that uh, the property that ends up being in the name of the LLC. But until that happens, their LLC doesn't own their, own, doesn't own their rental and is not going to provide them with that limited liability. So the long, long story short, for anyone out there who has their investment properties, just make sure you know, all your T's are crossed, your I's are dotted, that the, the deed's actually been recorded showing the LLC is the owner, and making sure that the LLC is registered in the state where the property is located. So if, if that hasn't happened with any of your properties, give us a call. We can help. Uh, you know, not a big deal. We can, we can get that fixed for you. So. Well, Kevin, excellent comments. I, I, I like it, and I, I think your example is 
very apropos. Um, I, I'll, I'll even share one here yesterday. Our oven after Christmas, thank heavens, it didn't. There wasn't a problem. We did a prime rib, uh, slow roasted a prime rib for Christmas Day, which was really Ooh. fun. Um, it, and uh, ironically, literally within hours after cooking this, our oven went on the fritz. So our oven's broken. Uh. And so, so my wife last night was like, will you just YouTube how to fix this oven? I'm like, are you kidding me? This is Mark Cole you're talking about. Uh, yeah. Me fixing an oven or doing plumbing is not a good idea. And she was like, okay, you're right. Call a professional. <laughs> so, right. so, folks, let me do what I'm good at, and I'll let you do what you're good at. But that's a, it's a great example. So, Kevin, thank you so much. I really um, uh, hope you have a wonderful holiday uh, coming up here to the New Year's. And thanks for sharing that little legal tip. All right. Thanks, Mark. All right, thank you. Well, folks, as I mentioned, before we get to the end of this hour, I'm going to go through some year-end tips that I think can save you thousands of dollars. I want to just, I've got just two post-its here just full of little tic-tacs that I want to go through. But without any further ado, I want to jump into our, our star for the show. I want to go into a topic here that I think many of you will be surprised to learn about. And I would like to introduce uh, Jeremy Ames. He's the president of Guidant Financial. Again, I, uh, for those who have just joined us, I mentioned earlier that he's, uh, their, home, um, their home office is in Seattle, Washington. And he is, gosh, several honors. Recently, the national winner of the Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. He's also been recognized and honored as Puget Sound Business Journal's 40 Under 40, uh, one of the most uh, up-and-coming rising business stars. He's, uh, he's been a three-time franchisee owner, and he's the co-founder and president of Guidant Financial. And I'm going to let him explain more of what Guidant does. But I just want to say this. I have been seeing his ads uh, in all sorts of very, very impressive journals and on airplanes and magazines for years. And I've known what Guidance done. We've sent clients there when we can't help them with this particular strategy he's going to share. But I did take the unique opportunity just recently, about six months ago, to go out to the Guidance offices in Seattle. And I was so impressed with two things. First of all, it was totally Google-esque. I mean, this this office was so (laughs) – it was everything you'd imagine in a cool software company type of Seattle atmosphere. And number two, I had a chance to meet with Jeremy one-on-one, and I was so impressed. His uh, command of the topic and what he knew I did and how I would interplay with his company – I was just blown away with his um, maturity and wisdom, and that's not to uh, think that uh, because I'm a few years older, I'm certainly not a 40 under 40 kind of guy, but I was just blown away with his uh, CEO skills. So without any further ado, I'm excited to have Jeremy with his very, very busy schedule. Join us for just a few minutes today or as long as he can spare. Jeremy, finally, thank you. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thanks, Mark. It's good to be here. Well, thank you. And I... I, I hopefully you got a little tax or legal tip out of there initially that could help you in some way. Or I appreciate you hanging in the wings for a little bit as we uh, get through our regular procedures here on the show. Yeah, I'm more concerned so, about that large pedestal you just put me on. <laughs> well, hey, I, I'm serious. I no, I'm not blowing smoke. Well, Jeremy, okay, so let's cut right to this point because I'm sure everybody's like, "What is this guy? What's Mark talking about?" Tell us why you started guiding. Give us a little background on the company and uh, what its primary focus is. I did just put it in context before we jump into some of the procedures that people may be able to use. Sure. So, uh, the primary way to think about what it is that Guidant does, uh, we help people who are aspiring entrepreneurs or even small business owners get financing for their business. 
And it just so happens that one of the creative ways that we do that is by helping people use their retirement funds to make an investment uh, in a small business. Often that's for the acquisition of a new company or a franchise, uh, but sometimes that is involved in some sort of a recapitalization of an existing business as well. Okay. I like it. Simply stated. Now, most people, and I said this early on, well, Mark would say, Mark, you've been talking about self-directing IRAs and retirement plans for years, and I've been a broken record saying you can't compensate yourself, you can't pay for your cell phone, but that's not the case if you do it with a 401k type structure where you can actually really fund a business of which you play an integral role. Is that could you explain that? I mean that's I'm not lying to folks, right? I mean there is a there is a way to do that. No. No, and actually uh the where Guidant got its start is we got its start a start doing just that. We did self directed retirement accounts for people who are investing in real estate, private placements, uh all sorts of alternative assets. And one of the things that we uncovered through doing that was there was a little-known strategy that was used by a lot of uh, more wealthy individuals that were working with private attorneys to fund companies that people were actively a part of, which you can't do inside of a self-directed IRA uh, the way they're typically structured. And the reason that is is because there are all sorts of self-dealing rules that are set up to keep people from essentially sitting on both sides of the table. It just so happens that there's a very specific exemption that allows for the investment in a small privately held company, provided you're willing to meet certain requirements that the government has laid out in ERISA. And that's what uh, Guidant helps people navigate, because it can be a very complex topic. Well, let's give an example here. But practically, I'm I'm looking through the back of Entrepreneur Magazine, or I'm dry, I'm walking through a, a convention or trade show, and I see a franchise I want to start. How would uh, explain to the layperson here listening how their 401k could play a role in helping them get into that franchise? Okay, so let's use uh, Subway as an example because that's a franchise that everyone knows. So you see an advertisement for Subway and you thought, hey, I'd love to become an entrepreneur and, and own maybe a few of those. Most of our clients have you know, somewhere in the 100000 to $1 million range in retirement funds. So let's say in our example, you've got a couple hundred thousand in retirement funds and you want to buy a Subway. The way you would do that is you would set up or have a professional set up um, two important things. One is a a qualified plan that meets the requirements. And that's one of the things that we do. We utilize a 401k, but really any sort of qualified plan could be profit sharing. 401k is typically the one that people best understand. Um, And then a C-corporation. The structure of the entity has to be a C-corporation. It's the only kind of stock that's available for um, making a direct investment of retirement funds into uh, a small company. And we fund the C Corp, and we're off and running uh, with the franchise. Yeah, essentially we get set up the new 401k, roll the funds from wherever those funds are today. So let's say my $200,000 are in a Vanguard uh, IRA. I can roll those into this new 401k that's been established with my new C Corporation, and then I complete all the paperwork and make the purchase of stock from the C Corporation, at which point your retirement plan now owns potentially a significant portion of the business 
and the business has received in exchange the cash that it can use to go out and acquire the business, the assets, the furniture, the equipment, do the tenant improvements. Okay, now let me throw this out, and folks, if you do have a question here, you can call in live and and speak with Jeremy or myself, and the call-in number, uh, for those listening from your computer right now, the call-in number is 646-200-4285. That's 646-200-4285. Or if you're on your computer, you can tap on the chat line, or you can send me an email at this moment, mark at markjkohler.com. I've already got a couple questions here in email. Now, let me throw out one thing, Jeremy, and then you please expand on this if I've misstate anything here. Again, with Matt Sorensen, my partner, writing the book, The Self-Directed IR Handbook, and folks, many of you that have listened to my show for years or follow my blog, you know that I talk about the IRA being self-directed and then the rules where you can't, again, take a salary or pay yourself. What's interesting about this process uh, when you work with Guidant and get the right type of C-Corp with the right type of plan, with the right type of documents, we'll come to that in a moment, if all of your I's are dotted and T's are crossed, then you can compensate yourself as a manager, owner, employee, and that, those self-dealing rules are relaxed or you're exempted from it. How would you phrase it, Jeremy, so that people get the sense of, oh, this is self-directing on steroids, or I, how would you kind of explain <laughs> it if I missed it or something? <laughs> Um, I would say that's true. You're, you're exempted from those typical self-dealing rules, although probably fair to point out that with regard to compensation, you're going to have two key boundaries to keep in mind, one of which is you can't take compensation out of the proceeds of the stock purchase, which means that 200000 that you're investing in the company, you can't start paying yourself a salary out of that. The salary's got to come out of the actual proceeds revenue generation of the business. Uh, the second important boundary to keep in mind is that uh, the IRS has a term called uh, what's fair and reasonable, and that holds true for compensation, which means if you're playing the role of manager, owner, president, wh- whatever that role is going to be in this company, that the pay has to be fair and commensurate with the duties that you're performing for that company. Typically, that's not an issue for most small businesses. Um, but it's definitely something that we encourage all of our clients to discuss with their CPA, especially when they get to the point where, you know, their business is doing well and they're starting to look at, you know, realistically how to structure investments and compensation and other um, sort of longer-term structures of the business. I love it. Now, let me throw this out, too, um, before we get to some of our questions uh, in the hopper here, is – for all of you legal zoomers out there, this is not something. And maybe the example of Kevin putting together a swing set or me trying to fix our oven. This is a very, very important example of. Um, those are important examples of how you have to be really careful with this strategy. Um, uh, many of you know that we have a very uh, unique LLC when we go to self-direct an IRA to buy real estate. But this C-Corp and the qualified plan and the documentation to bring this together, is it, it can get really screwed up, and this is something you don't want to do on your own. I don't think many people could. And as, a, as an attestment to this, many of you know that at KKOS Lawyers, we don't. Uh, we don't implement this strategy. We recommend people go see Jeremy over at Guidon. Um, so uh, he is a partner of ours, if you will, rather than a competitor. We think that they do a fantastic job. So on that note, what I was impressed with, Jeremy, when I met with you was your commitment to the um, compliance 
and how many lawyers and your your um, policies and procedures of defending or or continuing to stay up to speed. I don't know if I'm finding the right terms here. Can you tell us about your compli- your commitment to compliance at the company there? Well, I, I think probably the best demonstration of our commitment is uh, where we put our money where our mouth is. And the way that we do that is for all of our clients, uh, we include audit representation as part of the ongoing administration of their retirement plan. And what that essentially means is, you know, should one of our clients be one of the unfortunate few that get audited on an annual basis that we pay for outside representation for them, which frankly is a small business owner um, it's a huge deal. You know, I don't know many small business owners who have enough cash and enough time. And uh, audits can, can cost both. And obviously being well represented in those to make sure that those can go swiftly and create the smallest uh, potential burden on the uh, entrepreneur is important. And I think that's how we stay really focused on what's happening in uh, the government agencies and how they're looking at plans and what the new upcoming legislation uh, opportunities or risks are, because uh, we're on the ground every day with clients. Well, I I love it, and I and I want to just make we'll go into some questions here, but just one more a comment, if I may, to um, edify Jeremy and what he's built over there. Uh, again, when I went over to their offices, I didn't know what to expect. Um, and I think many of our listeners out there, you know that there's, you know, every Tom, Dick, and Harry has tried to open a custodianship to self-direct IRAs. And I know there's people working out of their vans or their basements self-directing IRAs. Um, but to be at the level of what Guidant is doing, the the amount of investment and the millions of dollars and hours and time, they've got hundreds of employees on several floors of this building. And again, the atmosphere was so positive and amazing as to what they were doing with the teams of lawyers, the teams of ERISA specialists, and customer service specialists, and what Jeremy was doing with this team. It really is quite phenomenal. So, folks, I want you to know that Jeremy's coming from a place of of, of serious credibility. It, it's just exciting. Um, okay, so I've got a few questions for you, Jeremy. Okay, so this one's from Kirby. He says, does this have to be used for franchise-type things, or could the C-Corp invest in an LLC that is a purchasing real estate? I've been wanting to self-direct, but I've wanted to mix my own retirement and non-retirement money to buy real estate, and that seems a little gray um, when it comes to self-dealing. I think there's two questions there, Jeremy, so let me ask this first. Can you do other businesses than franchises? Absolutely. Um, so I would say probably about half of our clients are doing some form of a franchise or licensee arrangement. It's just by nature of the transaction size. When you get under $2 million or even a million for small businesses, the vast majority of those are franchise establishments. But the other 50% of our business are people who are buying uh, other business concerns. In fact, uh, one of my favorite clients is in uh, Spokane, Washington out here, and it was two partners that started a distillery and they purchased all the equipment and everything to get started, got the thing off the ground, and now they're distributing in 25 states. Wow. Wow. It's so exciting. I, Jeremy, I have to share that same enthusiasm that when, you, we, when I've had clients 8, 10, 12 years ago, or even just a year ago, come through and see them have success, is, uh, it's exhilarating to know you're part of it. 
Um, okay, now the second part of that question that Kirby says is he would like to co-mingle, co well, I hate that word, but that, can we form this C corporation that has part retirement money and part non-retirement money? Could they have formed this distillery in Spokane with both types of funds? Uh, yeah, and in fact, that's highly encouraged to do that. I was just talking to a client the other day, and what he did was he uh, purchased a franchise that was doing home health care, which, by the way, I can tell you from looking at the top 50 clients that we have in terms of number of, uh, number of employees, about 20 to 25% of those are in home health care. It's a really wow. interesting industry for growth right now. But anyway, I was talking to this guy, and he was a former tax partner at Deloitte. And when he retired, he decided, you know, since his wife hadn't retired, that he had to find something to do with his time, so he wasn't sitting around just playing golf all day. And he bought this franchise, and what he decided to do was use 50% personal funds and 50% uh, retirement funds to invest in the company. Um, and we highly encourage that. It's really whatever's going to make sense based on someone's personal situation as they look at how much they're saving towards retirement, how much income they have coming from other sources. Uh, that's where a good CPA can be really helpful as they think about the best way to decide how much capital to use from different sources. I um, oh, I love that answer. That's a good one. Okay, I I because I, I'd love to see that um, um, uh, flexibility, for lack of a better word. By the way, on the chat line, Lisa just posted the website, which is obviously very straightforward. <laughs> www.guidantfinancial.com. Um, so folks that are on the line right now, uh, you can obviously click right on that and go straight to their website. Um, but not, we've got a few more questions here. But Jeremy, do you want to share your contact information besides the website? Is there a phone number you'd like to encourage people to call if they're if they'd like more information? Yeah, if they're looking for, for more information, our uh, toll free number is one eight 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 four seven two four four five five. Uh, and we've got a, a great team of people that are highly trained in these specific areas that can help answer people's really specific questions. Because even in Kirby's question that he asked there, there's another embedded question around the ability to have an operating company that does real estate, which to give you the real canned response is, yes, it's possible. Um, now, there are certain things that have to be true in order for that to work, but those are the kind of things that, you know, if someone wanted to talk about their specific situation and what they're trying to do, um, that someone could actually talk them through and ask them the questions to help them explore whether or not this is an option that they could use. Okay, and and I've got a, a, a question slash comment from Tina. Uh, this is via email. She um, wanted confirmation on this. So she said, Mark and Jeremy, if I understand this correctly – if I want to invest, a self-directed IRA may be my best route to go. But if I want to run it as a business and be able to take a salary and operate it as a source of revenue personally, then I would go with the guidance strategy. Is that a good distinction to, 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 between the two types of strategies? The way I like to think of it is if you want to actively be a part of the company that you're investing in, you're not typically going to be able to do that with a self-directed IRA. Self-directed IRAs are great for private placements and making investments in company that, companies that you're not going to be a part of. You're not going to be an employee. You're not going to be providing consulting work to them. Um, if it's something you're going to be actively engaged in, um, then you ought to at least take the step of um, giving somebody like us a call and uh, talking through the situation to see 
um, if this is an option or if one of those other things may be an option as well. Because frequently we refer people back to uh, self-directed custodians and providers based on their situation. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, one other question here from Eric. He asked via email, is this similar to the ROBS strategy? What, what does the ROBS strategy mean, and are they the same? I don't know if I can even answer that, Jeremy. What, explain what that ROBS thing means. Uh, what, yeah, so that acronym is Rollovers for Business Startups, and um, yes. A rollover for business startup um, is essentially just what we talked about. It's a, a qualified plan making an investment in a C corporation uh, where it allows the person who's the retirement account holder to be actively involved in the business. Okay. Excellent. I um, uh, wanted to point this out here, too, is that um, in our last couple minutes with Jeremy here, folks, if you have any more questions, please email me directly or um, at uh, uh, type it on the chat line. We've got one more here, but I, I wanted to say this first, is that uh, in my new book coming out, the Tax and Legal Playbook, um, and also in Matt's book, we both highlight this strategy and recommend guidance as the the one to use. Um, on many of my articles on entrepreneur.com, and when I'm speaking for Entrepreneur Magazine, uh, again, Guidant, who advertises with Entrepreneur, is, is uh, and I know Jeremy has a, a very... Um, uh, integrated role with them. So, folks, as you're reading more material again about IRAs and what we're doing at our firm, you'll you'll see this theme of again this Rob's rollover for business startup type strategy for those that want to be more involved in their business. I love it. Okay, so another question here: um, Is there a UBIT tax issue with the Rob's transaction? Um, now, for those that Boy, UBITs could be a whole radio show in of itself, but do you want to try to tackle that one, Jeremy? <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I think it's a great point, and it's a, it's a key reason to explain why a C corporation is the only kind of structure that works. UBIT is a tax that applies with self-directed IRA transactions when you're doing something that constitutes business-level activity. Um, a C corporation doesn't run into those same issues because it's paying corporate tax at the corporate level, and so there's no need for UBIT. There you go. Gosh, that I, I think that's a, a one <laughs> very distinct answer. Um, I, I won't brutalize it by repeating it in a different way, but the bottom line is, uh, Kevin, great question here at VO the Web. The UBIT tax does not apply because it's a C-Corp, and so uh, that's uh, one of the perks of this strategy. Uh, let's see here. Oh, we've got Kirby on the line that said, thanks for the guidance, guidance with a little smiley face, so you probably get that all the time. <laughs> all right. Um, well, let's see here. Um, we may have one more um, question that I think coming through as a live caller, but before we come to them, what are your plans, Jeremy? I mean, gosh, the world is your oyster right now. You are the, the you control this space. What, what are you doing next? What can we all look for from Guidant in the future? What is Guidant doing right now? Well, uh, there's a couple things that we're doing. Um, one is we've been pretty aggressively expanding uh, some of the additional financing options that we offer for small business owners. And part of that's just because we recognize that when people are coming to us, it's because the, the problem they're trying to solve for is what's the best way to finance my new franchise or my new company or my existing business. Um, and we want to be able to effectively consult with those clients in a way where we can show them the various options that may be available to them and let them make the best decision about 
um, how they want to move forward. Um, so that's one of the big things we're doing. And then uh, one of the big things I've been working on is uh, right now the small business lending marketplace is really hot. Um, and it's really hot from an investor standpoint, especially as it relates to those high uh, cost of capital merchant loans, which I hate. It's like money tree for small businesses. And uh, one of the things that we're working with is um, some various companies to see if we can find uh, some institutional and capital that wants to come into the small business lending play, uh, marketplace and do it at some more competitive rates for small businesses. Um, we think now's the time to, to bring that to bear, and, and we believe we've got some creative views into how to de-risk uh, when you look at small business and small business acquisition financing, partly because you know we have data on thousands of clients. I mean, we know which industries are doing well. Um, you know, we know how to look at these a little different and a little more efficiently than your typical bank would. Well, and when I heard Jeremy that this uh, lending uh, area you were expanding, to, I know you've been very, very busy with that. Uh, for the listeners out there, let me add a, a, another perspective on that is what this means is if your 401k doesn't have enough money but you want to buy that subway franchise and you want to get it off the ground your 401k can play a major role in the down payment that allows you more of a uh, of an ability to get credit i presume right jeremy that's why you're looking at all these credit ways so that you can help people get over the hump to get into that business that's one of the ways. Uh, another thing that we frequently see is uh, many franchises will sell their franchise units in, uh, they'll sell multiple units in a package. And the reason they do that, it makes a lot of sense because with a lot of these franchise models, what, what really pencils for someone is when they have multiple stores. Uh, the problem is most of the people, when they go down the financing path, they don't plan in a way that sets them up for success to then transition into store two and store three. Um, and part of that's about, you know, how you strategically set yourself up to leave some powder in the keg for when you get to that next stage. Um, so that's another thing that frequently comes up um, for us, as well as just, you know, things happen in small business. People have opportunities to expand. Um, they have situations that come up. I know a few years ago when they had the um, issues in New Jersey with the weather, we had a couple clients out there that were severely impacted, um, and they're, you know, we have clients that have needs for that sort of crisis capital as well, things to you know, deal with unexpected um, things that may come up and, and get the business back to a place where um, it's growing. I like it. Um, okay, well, we have one live caller here. And quickly, Jeremy, if you could take one call and then we'll let you run. I know that your time is so valuable, if, the, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much. So we have Mark on the line. Love that name. Uh, Mark with a question about a new startup. So, uh, Mark, welcome to the show. Awesome. Great. Thanks, Mark. I'll make it quick. So, Jeremy, my question is, if I'm, I'm starting up a new business, but it's not a business that I'm purchasing, it's not like a franchise situation or something where I'm going to be spending thousands of dollars to purchase, but it's my own startup, would this be applicable to that situation as well in terms of, of getting it off the ground? Yeah, so for example, the distillery clients that I mentioned, they were a startup. So when they came to us, I, I believe they used a portion of retirement funds, and then they had a couple of additional investors and even a bank loan that all came into play. And they used all of that to purchase the equipment, lease their space, 
um, hire their first employee because in their business they have to spend the time and effort to build that inventory before they're ever going to drive any revenue. So uh, it definitely works for startups. Um, there are some intricacies that come up if you're already sort of down the path and you've done some of the work and you've spent some of the money where you know we have to make sure that we value what you've already contributed into the business appropriately and that the 401k isn't getting a raw deal for the investment that it's making. Uh, but those are all things that we help clients work through in the process. Cool. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Mark, for the question. And um, Thank you. I just want to reiterate for our listeners out there that as you uh, talk with guidance um, and you look at their different pricing models, there's no one else out there in the country with their dedication to compliance and credibility uh, at a better price out there. And, uh, and, and Jeremy, on that note, I want to say thank you so much for finding some time to be with us. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, well, thank you, Mark. Um, obviously, appreciated the clients you sent through over the years, but even more importantly, the way that you uh, support the mutual clients that we have. Um, I can't illustrate enough how important it is for somebody to work with a really good CPA um, that can help them deal with the ongoing decisions that need to happen every year. And now's a good time to mention that since there are two days left in this year, and I'm sure um, you're going to get to some of those tips on uh, what people should be thinking about before they close it out. Yeah, right. we're going to take the last 10 or 15 minutes and do that. Thank you so much, Jeremy. And, folks, again, guidantfinancial.com. Guidant is uh, in getting guided down the road, G-U-I-D-A-N-T, financial.com. And the phone number is 888-472-4455. Thanks again, Jeremy. Wish you the best. Enjoy your holiday, the rest of it. All right. Take care, Mark. <laughs> take care. Bye-bye now. All right, folks, we're going to jump into some year-end tax tips right here to save you some money before the end of the year. So let's jump into some of these. And, folks, if you have a question, you want to email me or jump on the line, press number one, turn down the com uh, uh, sound on your computer, and dial in. That's 646-200-4285. Now, we've got 10 minutes here, and I'm going to rattle through as much as I can. So number one. Pushing income and expenses. That's what Brian Brown brought up at the first of the show. Now, I just had a consult with some clients yesterday, and they said, Mark, um, I've got some, I was thinking of, what was he going to do? Oh, he was going to go out and buy some new cell phones for some of his kids and some employees. And he said, Mark, should I go out and buy those cell phones? And I said, let's look at your numbers. Well, his business was already in the lowest possible tax bracket. And so the net flow through income. And I said, don't take the write-off now. Just go out on Friday and purchase them, and let's push that expense to next year because you really don't need the write-off this year. And he was like, oh, my gosh, that's right. And if he had taken that write-off this year, it really wouldn't have had as big an impact as it would next year where he's already got some major sales in the pipe. So sometimes pushing expenses to next year is just as important as accelerating an expense this year. Now, on that note, I'm going to cross that off. We jump over to the 179 deduction, something we talked about on the show last week, folks. Go back and listen to last week's podcast in detail and look at the blog article on my blog right now. And that is you can spend up to $500,000 on equipment and large trucks and vans that weigh more than 6,000 pounds. And these are trucks that have a six-foot bed or greater. You can write off up to the percentage of business use of any of those vehicles up to the profit of your business. You can write those off immediately with a purchase in the next 48 hours before the end of the year. 
if you have an SUV or a truck with less than a six-foot bed, then the limit is still 25000 but then you still have that additional 475000 to write off other supplies and equipment, or I shouldn't say supplies, but equipment. And as Brian Brown indicated at the very beginning, if you have a written policy that under anything under $500 is expensed anyway, that isn't even used against your $500,000 level. And I know many of you aren't going to rush out and spend $500,000, but why take – see, a 179 deduction won't let you go negative. So if you are going to generate a loss in your business, expense it under $500, and then you don't even need to go down the 179 route. So that's a big one. Next, the health reimbursement arrangement. Last night, I was up until midnight sending out HRA documents for clients that are adopting an HRA for 2014 and reimbursing their spouse for the medical expenses over and above insurance for them and their dependents. If you're married and have more than a couple thousand in out-of-pocket medical expenses, adopting an HRA plan could be huge. Uh, We charge a couple hundred bucks. You get a document. I have a cover letter with what you need to do. Spend 20, 30 minutes on the call, answer any questions. Literally during this radio show, I've got a text from a client that says, call me on the HRA. I got the document. I just need a couple questions answered. So this is, this is something that many of you still may want to do if you have large medical expenses. Call the office, say, I need to get with Mark, and I need my HRA before the end of the year, and I will take whatever time it is, even after 5 o'clock, to get that over to you. Next, this is another, I've got probably five emails right here during the show with Deborah, my payroll manager. <laughs> She's listening. I'm watching all your emails, Deborah. This is a big deal. The um, payroll has to be coordinated with your 401k and your health insurance. For any of you out there that have an S corporation, making sure that your payroll on your W-2 in the next two weeks is figured out is very, very important. And you may say, well, Mark, I'll just do it in January. Well, some of you might want to set up a 401k in the next 48 hours. If you don't sign the document in the next two days, you can't do a 401k in the middle of January. It has to be signed. If you want to get a 401k going, you can do up to 17500 far in excess of an IRA, and still match later when you do the tax return. Just call Misty at our office, call the main number and ask for Misty, and she can get you the documents in the next two days so that you can sign the 401k. Now, you can still decide how much you want to put on your W-2 and how much you want to match later. You've got a few weeks for the W-2 and then months for the other part but you have to sign it in the next two days. So that's why the W-2 matters, because the W-2 and your 401k have to be coordinated. That's something in the next couple days that could be critical. Next, probably not as critical in the next two days, but while you're talking with your professionals about your W-2, is your health insurance premiums have to be in a certain box on your W-2. If you don't list it, you cannot write it off. I had a client yesterday that emailed me from back east. It was like, Mark, what the hell? I've never had to put this on my W-2 before. And I said, good luck if you get audited. And he was like, really? And we looked at his return, and his CPA had missed some other important issues. And it's because it was a friend of the family doing their taxes on TurboTax in the basement for a spaghetti dinner. They weren't out there as an entrepreneur, CPA, helping hundreds of business owners every day staying up to speed on these rules. So be careful. Again, for those of you that have an S-Corp, if you have health insurance premiums, that you've, that amount has to be indicated on the W-2. Okay, so let's get off of the S-Corp for a minute, and let's jump over to some other items. For those of you that have children, 
paying your kids in the next 48 hours and pushing that money uh, through your uh, small business family management company or your LLC, if you have a, an LLC for your rental properties or a small business, you've got to run your payments to your kids through the family management company down to the kids, and then the kids can reimburse you. That needs to be done in the next two days, or you cannot take a deduction for paying your kids. Now, this is over age 18, under age 18. If you're going to 1099 them later, I'm literally in the next two days doing an accounting as to how much I paid my kids over the year and making sure that I run extra money through if they're not at the right level. So don't forget about that. Next, in the next two days, Matt Sorensen wrote about this in his article in his blog last week. It's on the newsletter today, and that is doing a Roth conversion. For some of you out there that have an IRA, you might want to convert some of it to a Roth, pay a little tax. Now, you may say, well, Mark, I don't know if I'm going to have the money for the tax. Well, do the freaking conversion, and by April 15th, you can undo it if you want. It's like the wonderful, um, I changed my mind tax rule. Because you can do the Roth conversion, which you have to sign in the next 48 hours. And if you do the Roth conversion and decide to pay the tax, great. If you want to undo it by April 15th, you can do it. So it's very, very simple. Contact your custodian your, um, for your IRA, your stockbroker, whatever, and say, I need to download a Roth conversion pay form. You'll put in the account number, the amount of the um, amount you want to um, convert, and it's off and running. Very, very simple. Okay, last tip. This is a, There's a video on the newsletter today on this uh, on my YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel where I post videos constantly that are free, please check it out. The home office. For those of you that are doing a home office reimbursement to your S-Corp, I would love to see you write a check from the S-Corp to your personal account for that home office reimbursement before the end of the year. It's a nice way to show the paper trail. Just call it rent in the S-Corp, and it's home office reimbursement to you. It's non-taxable income, and you just generated a write-off in your S-Corp. Now, for those of you that have LLCs and sole proprietors and small businesses, we can do the home office deduction with a little journal entry. We can take the home office deduction later. That's fine. We don't have anything to do in the next two days. But again, for those of you that have the S-Corporation, We've got to push that money through and show that we reimburse the employee. So don't forget about that. So, woo, lots of little tips, lots of little strategies. Let me check my email, see if anybody's got a little question here. I think we're looking good there via email. I'll run over to the chat line. Getting oh, great show from Thomas. Thank you so much. And no one's calling in. So, folks, I'm going to leave you with my best wishes for the holidays. Thank you so much for listening in. This is the last show of the year, and uh, if I can say anything, just thank you. Thanks for listening to another hour of refreshing strategies to better live your American dream. Don't forget to get your free copy of Mark and Matt's ebooks and sign up for their weekly free newsletter with important tax deadlines and articles at refreshyourwealth.com.